If we're going to start the next one, we should start it proper. Happy 420, everyone. Inherent vice on the other side. When the final reel is spun And the credits have been run You can count on the wisdom These two white guys talking film Just two white guys talking film Hello, welcome to TWTTF, two white guys talking film. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Tyler, and the other host is... Ben. And we are doing a very special 420 episode, that's right. April 20th, we like to get together, and one of us will soberly talk about a film while the other one will very uh, less soberly talk about a film if you missed last year we did a very special episode on the movie head directed by bob ralphson and starring the monkeys this year we're doing the 2014 film directed by paul thomas anderson starring joaquin phoenix inherent vice Who are you? Clancy Sherlock. Glenn Sherlock's sister. Sister. I'm so sorry about your um, brother. Glenn was a shit. Bound to have his series canceled sometime. That don't keep me from wanting to know who his killer is. Did you talk to the uh, police? They talked to me. Some smartass named Bigfoot. He seemed less concerned with Glenn's murder than Mickey Wolfman's disappearance. But he's a fan of yours, all right. Said you might be able to help. Did he now? Did you hear the Wolfman's working on a way to give away all his money? Well, I don't want to do that. He was on a guilt trip, man. Doing tons of acid and peyote and just got to a point. He felt bad about making people pay for all those cheap, ugly houses of his. You gonna keep holding on to that tank, or are you gonna marry it? He wanted to build this big place out in the desert where people could come and live for free, called the Arapentimento. Uh-huh. Uh, well, what's that mean again? Spanish for sorry about that. Um, you know, maybe your your brother was just, um, you know, doing his job and trying to prevent, um, you know, whoever was from putting the snatch on, on Mickey. That's way too fucking sentimental. Sounds like somebody objected to Mickey's big giveaway. Mm. The uh, wife and business partners. Um, yeah. Puck Beaverton. He had the duty that day to guard Mickey 
Changed shifts with Glenn at the last minute. Pat Beaverton. Interesting fellow here. He's a major league asshole. Mm, sound like you dated. Him and his roommate. Two at a time? That's my preference. Well, uh... You know where I might be able to find this, uh, puck fella? Dropped out of sight after Glenn's murder. Set sail. <laughs> Set sail? Like on a boat? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> if you find him, you let me know? Well, um, perhaps we should continue this conversation someplace else. Need a uh, contact information from you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Clancy, did uh, Glenn ever mention one of Mickey's ladies? Goes by the name of Shasta. Girl's gone missing. That's her. Yeah, she was in love with him. Deeply in love. Oh, Shasta and Doc lived together for a short while. Oh, bummer. Well. As someone who's been down this particular exit ramp, you can only cruise the boulevards of regret so far. And you gotta get back up onto the freeway again. Mm. Good luck. You know, Tyler, I'm a guy who has seen a couple of movies now and then that may not necessarily be up for Oscars, but they'd be up for something called the AVN Awards. And I got to tell you, my friend, I had no idea Belladonna was in this movie until like the <laughs> fifth time I watched this movie. today. I was sitting there. I was like, what the fuck is that? And I just pulled up my thing. I was like, what's your name? Clint? I was like, holy shit, it's Belladonna. I had a similar moment where I was like, who's that? And then I was like, Oh, like I was like, why do I recognize her and her face? And then like I looked it up and I was like, oh. But this time when I watched through it, I did a Rick a Dalton gif at the TV screen. You got it. Inherent Vice. Oh, spoiler alert, guys. If you're looking for the head one, it will be also posted on our feed a little higher up near this. I'll probably post it on 419. So look for that. I've got a lot of thoughts on this movie. I do too, and they range from this movie fucking whips to this movie fucking whips. See, and mine range from this movie's really, really starting to cook to this movie might need an editor. Like, I'm not 100% sure if this movie works all the time. I think it's shagginess does work. The reason I think that, probably because the first time I watched it, I watched it in like a 420 movie marathon. Where I, I was sober the entire time because I'm a dork. Where I started it with Head, and then I went into The Long Goodbye, and then watched Inherent Vice. Or I think I did Inherent Vice and then The Long Goodbye. And there's something about The Long Goodbye, like the original Long Goodbye from the 70s, directed by Robert Altman, and it's kind of like shagginess, and it's like 
kind of like weed like it just feels very slow and kind of like sun drenched where like this kind of feels like the antithesis of that and also a direct influence like it kind of feels like those 70s shaggy noirs that are kind of like loose and have a lot of characters and this is obviously based off of a novel and so there's a lot of plots and subplots and like avenues it goes down and chooses not to go down and stuff like that and so i could see where someone's like this movie's too long i it's kind of two and a half hours long i think you could trim 15 minutes i'm not saying you gotta trim the whole half hour i'm saying you trim 15 minutes but at the same time too like i'm also of the mind of like well what do you cut out it's hard to choose like what you cut out because everything is so interlocked in this. Because, like, you tell me, like, are you going to cut out Michael K. Williams scene? No, I'm absolutely not going to cut out Michael K. Williams scene. Am I going to cut out, like, the introduction of Jade? No, not at all. I mean, do you cut out Josh Brolin's stuff? No. Choco! Choco! Multipanakeko! Choco! They're not as good as my mother's pancakes, but it's the respect here that I appreciate. Josh Brolin is in a different movie in this movie. I would like to point that out as well. Mm -hmm. You know what? We should probably start there. Let's start talking about the cast. By the way, guys, you're hearing this moments after we recorded Leprechaun 5 in the Hood and North. Buckle up for a very weird episode. The clips need to be seven minutes long. (laughs) I I want you to do the whole court scene for North. That's all I'm going (laughs) to say. I want to paint a picture for everyone. During the talking of North, and uh, I am lying on my back looking at the ceiling with with microphone in my face for most of that recording because I'm just exhausted. Please send me that picture, and I'll take one of myself, and we'll just make them like two links that they can click on just to see how we both did North. I will try and get a picture of it. That's good. Even if you have to have Naomi stand above you and take it. So... This movie is a detective movie. Say what you will, it is a detective movie. And I do love the detective aspect of this. I do too. It's a noir. It's a new noir. It feels very reminiscent of, I would say, 70s noir. Although, reading very briefly over some of what Paul Thomas Anderson had to say, he said he was very inspired by Kiss Me Deadly, The Big Sleep, The Long Goodbye, and Up in Smoke. And I will say, I don't see, like, any classic noir elements in this movie, like, no, at it's, all. No, it's, it's very, I mean, but then again, then again, dude, you and I aren't Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm seeing, I'm sure he's seeing things there we're not even seeing. I'm sure. Say what you will, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the five best working directors. Like, I think, I mean, working American directors. Working American directors, yes. And I'll say this, this is lower in my Paul Thomas Anderson, like, filmography. This is... Pretty high in my Paul Thomas Anderson filmography. Fuck, am I gonna have to watch Inherent Vice again within the next? Yes, you are. X amount of weeks. Oh. Fire up that Tubi. Oh fuck you! I watched it on DVD today. Well, it's on Tubi. Oh, I know it's on Tubi. That, by the way, we were. I was gonna bring that up when I when I Googled it. Tubi, once again, nailing it. Joaquin Phoenix is a detective. I mean, that's the main character in our movie. Yes, he plays Doc. And you know what? I'm just looking at the poster for this movie, which is a beautiful pair of legs with the word in neon above it, Inherent Vice, and just a bunch of names. We're just going to kind of go through each person and just kind of connect with how he's got the thing. The whole premise of the movie is Doc has a case, which is 
his old lady seems to kind of be in trouble. His old lady, played by Katherine Watterson as Shasta Faye Hepworth. I need your help, Doc. Uh, you know, I have a an office now. That's like a day job and everything. I looked at the phone book. I almost went over there. Then I thought better for everyone if this looks like a secret rendezvous. And Doc is looking into this case, which involves... You have the guy who is an undercover cop who is also a part of this case connected to his old lady, who is played by Owen Wilson. Who plays Cole Harlington. Well, is this uh, safe enough for you out here? Let's light this and pretend we came out to smoke. Uh-huh. I'm supposed to be dead. Well, there's also a rumor that you're not. It don't come as such great news being dead as part of my job image, like what I do. And then there's the not undercover cop, the guy who's also very much out of cover, Josh Brolin. <laughs> he plays Detective Christian F. Bigfoot B. Orkinson. I think you and Adrian have a history you're not sharing with me. Choto! Kinichiro! Dozo! Moto Penekeku! Moto Penekeku! Moto Penekeku! Hai! 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 Pancakes aren't quite as good as my mother's, but what I really go for here is the respect. Respect. You didn't get enough of that from your mom. You also have his little squeeze who works at the DA's office, played by Reese Witherspoon. Deputy D.A. Penny Kimball. All right, listen, I need something from you, though. What? I need to look up somebody's jacket. That's it? That's no big deal. We do that all the time. What? You break into officially sealed records all the time? Grow up. What's the name on the file? She's adorable. This might be my, like, my favorite Reese Witherspoon from this decade. I don't know. She's good in, like, Pretty Little Lies and... Is that what it's called? Yeah. She's good in other things. What else was she in? Lose my mind. She's in something that I really liked her in. Next up, you have Benicio Del Toro as his lawyer. He plays Sancho Simlax Esquire. <laughs> no, I think we could probably take this all the way to trial, but with our luck, you know, the jury pool will be 99% hippie. Well, that's a change of venue to maybe like uh, Orange County. Not as many hippies down there, you know. Sancho, who are you working for? Clients pay me for work, Doc. Clients pay me for work, Doc. <laughs> who is Jenna Malone in the movie? Jenna Malone is Hope Hollingen. She plays the wife to Koi. Everybody helpfully pointed out how the heroin was actually coming through my breast milk. But... Ah! Mm-hmm. Is that Jenna Malone? That's Jenna Malone. That's a very impressive performance. Sparks highs Jenna Malone. <laughs> I mean, like when we play her scene, it's just going to be him looking at that picture. Yeah. Ah! Hmm. And you have Maya Rudolph, who's his, uh, who's his assistant. She plays Petunia Leeway. Yeah. She was in love with him. Deeply in love. Oh, Shasta and Doc lived together for a short while. Ugh, that's his wife right there. I bet he had so much fun with that. Yes. Um, and, and I'll say it, in what I believe is a truly kind of maybe Oscar-ignored performance, Martin Short. As Dr. Rudy Blantnor DDS. The, the Golden Fang. It's a syndicate. Most of us happen to be dentists. Mm. A syndicate of dentists set up long ago for tax purposes. All legit. 
<laughs> Where did you tell Sandra you were from again? Why, you're another one of those hippie dope fiends, aren't you? He's fucking fantastic. He destroys. So those are kind of the principal players you need to know about. There are other people who come throughout it. The movie is about Joaquin Phoenix investigating where his old lady is, and it has to do with this thing called the Golden Fang. And the whole thing really doesn't matter. It's really just about kind of him getting catharsis for the fact that him and his old lady are over. Yes, it is very much a movie about not just that him and his old lady are over, but like also that like the dream of the sixties is over. Yes, that too. And like has been over. And there's kind of like this human wreckage throughout this movie. There's a lot of strife Uh, very early on. There's like constant talk about neo-Nazis and black nationalism and like all sorts of stuff. But it just, it, it feels very much like a movie of things ending and not being able to reconcile with it and people who weren't able to reconcile that the dream of the 60s kind of ended and and kind of just kept drifting yeah that's i think the main thesis statement of inherent vice i wouldn't disagree with you on it so let's let's talk about like pick two girls and two guys to talk about outside of joaquin phoenix because we'll talk about him last i want to talk about bigfoot i want to talk about sancho I want to talk about, yeah, Hong Chao as Jade. I can't stay out here long. This is Golden Fang territory, and a girl don't necessarily want to get into difficulties with those folks. What is it? A band? And lastly, I want to talk about the central woman who isn't really there, Shasta Faye Hempworth. So let's start with Bigfoot. Where is Big Josh Brolin at in his career at this moment? Uh, bad. Is it really? <laughs> I think so, right? 2004. I think this is after Men in Black 3, which was like a real... It's not bad. Uh, he does he, true... He's he, done true grit. Because he did true grit, but, I mean, before this you have... <sighs> Boy, actually, it is pretty bad. Um, actually, you have Men in Black actually, 3. Yeah. Gangster Squad, which is not good. Old Boy, which is uh, Watch It. Labor Day. Labor Day. I, I don't even know what that is. Um, oh, you don't know what Labor Day is? I like don't, I like don't even know. What you that should. Is. A, you should. You should just click on Labor Day and look at who the director is. You Jason Reitman is, is. Is okay. That's a nothing movie. Is that the Labor worst Day? That's the worst Jason Reitman movie. For Labor Day. Um, Guess what we're doing for Labor Day? Ugh, we're no. gonna watch Labor Day. Why I'll would you this. do this? I believe this is the start of the upswing for Brolin. This is, I think, where Brolin starts to lock into what he is. He is the heavy. Look at him in Sicario. Look at him in Hail Caesar. He's a funny guy. He can play if they build a good enough cast around him. He's about to blow up with the Thanos thing and never have to worry about working again. Yeah, this is like right before Guardians of the Galaxy, which comes out the same year. But this year, it's a real hodgepodge. It's Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which is fucking awful. It's a bad movie. Um, it's just a bad movie. Inherent Vice, and then just Gardens of the Galaxy. He's like in as Thanos. He's just kind of like, hey. And then just Sicario, Hail Caesar, like you said, Deadpool 2, the second Sicario, 
and you know avengers and now we have dune and flag day which i can only assume is a fucking sequel to labor day i'm not even gonna look at who's in it or what's it about i'm pretty sure it's a sequel to labor day don't at me oh god i hope it is please let it be please let it be but i will say that like after no country for old men after like 2007 where it's like no country american gangster he's in milk and then he's kind of not in anything good outside of like true grit because he has Jonah Hex, the Tillman story, which is like a documentary where he's the narrator. So that doesn't really count. Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Oh, yeah. And then Black Three Gangster Squad, Old Boy Labor Day, Sin City, and then Inherent Vice. And then then he kind of has like that swing back. But it's like a bad period. I know that there's like allegations of him being like abusive. Huh. Well, he's still working, so I'm sure there's a reason. Uh, yeah, there's a domestic battery charge in 2004. Oh, well, there you go. He has an altercation with Jeffrey Wright in 2008. I think the altercation with Jeffrey Wright might have been what hurt him a little bit, but... Is that Eric Roberts as Wolfman? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's a really interesting performance by him, then. Oh, that's interesting. Eric Roberts is one of those people who will he'll say yes to like literally anything. Like if you get if you just meet what he wants. But if you like can get him the right people though, it can be magic. Yeah, he can he'll he'll but like that's the thing is he'll pop up in something like you know, like the expendables where you're just like, Whoa, yeah. okay. Weird. Or like this will be demented or <laughs> like a guide to recognizing your saints or the dark knight. But he'll oh, also yeah. be in like, is that a talking cat? <laughs> Like, oh, for sure. Like, he's just, he just does no discretion with what he does. Kent Brockman once said to the camera when he was next to um, Rainier Wolfcastle, do you hear that, Hollywood? The boy wants to work. This is a real interesting and kind of flawed character. He's a squared nose, squared jawed, squared haired Lego man <laughs> who hates hippies and is like the squarest motherfucker in the world. And it's kind of great. He's, like, so good in this movie. He's really on a tear in this movie. As much as I don't like Josh Rowland, the person, do gotta admit he's very good in this movie. That small scene, and I think we can kind of move this into Shasta, uh, unless you have more that you want to say No, about no, I think that's the scene. That or the scene where he eats the weed in front of him. Yeah, where he just, like, he calls up Doc and is like, she's gone, man, she's gone. And then they're like, yeah, we think she skipped town. Like, it becomes, like, this, like, scene about, instead of, like, her being dead it's like her leaving like her being missing and just there's a moment where it's just like doc just being like can we fucking professional man and like like it's just like this shitty smirk that he does on his face and it's just so good yeah i think that moves us into shasta nicely because he's the one who tells doc she's dead which doc is like no i don't believe you and also, she isn't dead. Like, he's, no. like, even in that scene, he's like, she's gone. She's left town. Like, she's uh, missing. Like, he's doing it to fuck with Doc. Yeah, he is. And Catherine Watterson, who I don't know much of Catherine Watterson. I don't think. Or do I? She was in Michael Clayton. That's, like, where she made her debut. Uh, as a film actress but she's mostly been i believe a stage actress oh i know who you are why do i know you who are you in those terrible harry potter movies 
She's not in Harry Potter. What the fuck no, she talking? no, she's in Fantastic Beasts. Oh, she's who, Tina Goldston. Who is who is that? I have no fucking idea because I don't watch those movies. But she's in mid nineties. She plays uh, Dabney. I don't know who that is. Oh, you're an interesting little one. I like you. Wow, this is wow. She does not look anything like any other movie she's been in. Yeah, because they give her like long hair and they kind of yeah. Well, that no, she's, she's no, she's sex on fire in this movie. Catherine Watterson is like kind of the object of the movie. It's what Doc lusts after. What is your favorite scene here? And don't say the scene where she's laid across his lap. No, I think it's the opening. Yeah, that's that's you pretty can't really tell if it's like real or if it's like. You know what I mean? Like, you, mm-hmm. it's like it feels real, but it also kind of feels like hallucinatory. It feels like something he's like pawed at over that's, and over in his mind again, again, again. That's gonna pair heavily into what uh, what I'm gonna pair this with when we get to that moment. Oh, good. Who's your next guy? My next guy is Sancho. Is this Benicio? Benicio. <laughs> what I a love, weird uh, the scene, oh, fucking the, character. One of my favorite lines. He goes. He said. He goes. Whose side are you on? He goes. He goes. Clients pay me, doc. Clients pay me, doc. You could always ship him up to to Orange County. Not a lot of hippies up there. (laughs) This doesn't really have a lot to do with your type of thing. Maybe we could add some pirates in if it makes you more comfortable. Oh, we have crimes on the high seas. (laughs) (laughs) He just comes in. You know what he is? You know the movie Brick? Yeah. He is his brain. Yeah. Like, he's got it figured out, kind of. He's the Mycroft Holmes of this in some ways. He's the guy who's very smart at, like, deducing logic and internal stuff, but is not social. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, what is your favorite scene with him? Oh, just the scene where it's those three and they're just burning. Like, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. Thanos, the Collector, and the Joker are all hanging out. This is insane. (laughs) Someone should fucking do that. Someone should take a screen grab from Inherent Vice where you can see them all and like make them all <laughs> fucking shitty Marvel <laughs> DC characters. I hate the future. Remember that Paul Thomas Anderson movie where Thanos, the collector, and the Joker all hung out? Yeah, none of you do. Watch Inherent Vice, you fuck. I it's just a little too long for me, honestly. That's my biggest problem with this movie I, overall. I don't even yeah. think we're talking about the plot of the movie because there is no plot. The plot of the movie is him coming to grips with the end, as Tyler said, the end of the 60s and also the end of this relationship with his ex-old lady. And that brings us on to our final lady. If I can look at the meta text, if you will, of this film, some could say that could argue, sit down, have a long argument that it's Paul Thomas Anderson coming to grips with the end of his relationship with Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Fiona Apple in the 90s, and also of that culture moment. Yeah, it kind of feels very similar. Very, anyway, it's like the anti-Phantom Thread. That's an interesting way to look at it. Because the Phantom Thread feels very much rooted in Paul Thomas Anderson's relationship with Maya Rudolph, from what I've gathered in interviews. Whereas this feels very much like him kind of coming to terms with his first big relationship, which was with Fiona Apple kind of ending and her moving on. Hmm. I've never thought of it that way. That is all me reading into it. So it could obviously if like So wait, say that say that one more time. This is like, about no. this is about the about him reconciling with the end of Fiona Apple. What is the mm-hmm. one with Maya Rudolph? That's Phantom Thread. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Oh, that's Phantom Thread is very oh, much. That's, oh, that's very interesting. Yes, Phantom Thread is very much a movie. I love Phantom Thread. Now need to rewatch it. It's very much a movie where it's about a guy who's like, I want to be the breadwinner in this relationship, and I want to feel like I'm in control, but I also secretly want this wife, my this my love, this woman, to make me sick and then take care of me like I am a child. Yeah, it's like an early form of like BDSM almost. Mental BDSM, yes. Yeah, there's a hell of a movie. I love Phantom Thread. <laughs> well, <laughs> one day we will talk about Phantom Thread. Soon, my love. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to get to him last because he's obviously the guy who wrote and directed this. That takes us on to our last lady. Went with Shasta first because she's kind of the thing you need to talk about first to get mm-hmm. through it. Who's the last lady you want to talk about? I want to talk about Jade because we don't really talk about Jade, but I feel like she's kind of, she has like one or two scenes that like kind of connect the plot. And I just think Hong, Hong Chao or Hong Chao, yeah, Hong Chao is a really good actress and it's kind of like undersung. When she comes on screen, she's throwing straight heat with that opening scene. Yeah. And like, I feel like she's, she's been in a bunch of like TV shows as like, you know, not great roles. <laughs> like, if you look them up, like there, it's a lot of like Korean spy voice, American dad. It's a lot of like old uh, Asian masseuse, you know, in like one episode. Oh, it seems like she's getting her time back. She's got a, I see two things at the front of her list that are one, if not weirdly like off putting, but it had like kind of some weird respect on it. Downsizing and then downsizing is kind of what got her like a big push. Yeah, I'm kind of I kind of want to watch that movie based on it. But the other thing being Watchmen, whoever she was in that was probably a big deal to a certain extent. What do you call it? She's fantastic in this. I'll I'll say this to you, and this is my only question on that scene. Fourteen ninety five for that special. That's that's pretty insane. I mean, it's seventies fourteen ninety five, which I think is like what three hundred dollars now. That's not true. You could buy a house for fourteen dollars ninety five cents in nineteen seventies money. You could not. You could buy a Dodge Charger. You could not. Okay. You could buy a Ford. Pinto, seventeen ninety five, fourteen ninety five. Okay, uh, fifteen ninety five, and you uh, and you throw in a low jack. <laughs> just point being is that's pretty insane. And then they just they, her and her and Bambi just go to town, and he's just like, well, well. And you know that leads us perfectly kind of into the reaction of this whole movie, which is Joaquin Phoenix. You know, you you got a load of people out looking for you, Shasta. Well, here I am. Say lovey. Where does this fall for you in the Walking Phoenix filmography? I, it's got to be pretty high. I am one of those people who is pretty partial to We on the Night. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I like We on the Night. Do you really? Yeah, James Gray's We on the Night. I honestly, dude, every time I see the trailer for it, I think to myself, this has got to rock, and then I never watch it. <laughs> it's one of the best trailers I've ever seen. James Gray's great. Like I'm, I'm not de- I'm not denying James Gray doesn't have movies that I'm sure I've seen and heard of and, and enjoyed. Like the immigrant, good. We on the night, good. He's uh, wonderful in U Turn. He is wonderful in U Turn. I think. Oh, he's amazing in eight millimeter too. Jesus, we didn't, we weren't ever yes. not going to bring it up. Eight millimeter, bad movie, but he's pretty fun in it. It's not a bad one. No, it's a movie I feel weird about. 
<laughs> to Die For, I think is a great Gus Van Zandt film. I think he's fun in The Village. He's amazing in her, which is right after this. Yeah, I don't like her, though. But yes, oh, right before I this. love her. I mean, and let's be honest, this is the second pair. Obviously, Anderson likes him for something. I mean, the master is I mean, I'd say the master is a top tier. Like if you're asking me to pick 10 performances from the 2010s, the master hit one of his is probably in there. Did Mary Magdalene ever come out? I don't know what that is. It's the Rooney Mara Garth Davis uh, film where Walking Phoenix plays Jesus Christ. I don't know what that is, buddy. Oh, it was one of those movies where the Weinstein Company bought it, and then I just kind of ended up in fucking distribution hell. Makes sense. Okay. Never mind. Anyway, moving on. What is your favorite scene with Doc? Real quick, shout out You Were Never Really Here. Uh, by Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, it's actually a good movie, too. It's a great, that's a great movie. My favorite scene involving Doc, good question, is I think I think his scenes with Reese Witherspoon are great. Really? Yeah. Also think his scenes where he is being interrogated by the police are also great, with a capital G. When the police knock him down when he's going to the glass building? Mm-hmm. Oh. Just so great. When he's talking to the FBI. Uh, sure thing, fellas, but uh, aren't we all in the same business? There's no need to be insulting. Oh, that guy's great, too. The guy from Veep. Yeah, Timothy Simmons. Oh, he's so fucking good. They're known as Agent Flatweed and Agent Borderline. That's hilarious. God, that's Jenna Malone. That's an incredible little performance right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that takes us perfectly to the guy who kind of brings it all together, Paul Thomas Anderson. PTA. This is his seventh movie? Yeah, because it would be this and then it's Phantom Thread, I believe. And Heron Vice is the seventh film. And I, yeah, I think I remember when it came out. I didn't see it until literally last year. I think it kind of died when it came out. Like, it just wasn't like people were kind of like, it's too long. It's kind of weird. And I just didn't land <laughs> like any of his other movies have in my lifetime i think this is the first one i remember probably not doing so well because even the master it wasn't like a huge hit but it had its fans i think the master and inherent vice are going to go in his underappreciated in their time era where they're going to get like a resurgence at one point i think the masters had it a little more but inherent vices i think easily one of his like it's not his it's not it's not and see the thing is with Paul Thomas Anderson when you say his worst movie like it's just the movie you prefer to watch the least in some ways like it's gonna be lower on mine for sure I mean it's not even the lowest one too like but I mean that doesn't mean I still wouldn't watch it if it was on like it's an incredible movie there's incredible performances in that like say what you will I think it is like a top five Joaquin Phoenix performance it just shows you like how good he can be if you just let him kind of do like what if he had been born in the 70s he could do which is just be like this kind of like brooding dustin hoffman-esque character actor which is what he should be mm -hmm. it's, it's in a very interesting movie and it's it's a detective movie which leads me then i guess perfectly to ask what would you pair this with uh, what would i pair this with i would pair this with the long goodbye what I'll would you pair this you. with i would pair this with under the silver lake Ooh. Yes, a movie I know you don't like, but at the same I don't time, like it. yes, but at the same time, you can see where I mean with the dreamlike sequence, where yeah. you're just like, I'm not sure how much of this is real. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I kind of dig that. I kind of think that would be like a groovy it's little a, double so feature. It's a very long double feature. Yes, yes, yeah, it that's, is. That that might be five hours. About yes, at least yeah. with a long goodbye, I'm giving you like an hour and fifty minutes. Yeah, that's only two, three, four. Yeah, four or ten. But yeah, ooh, ooh. Speaking with maybe next four twenty we do a long goodbye. You know, you know what I'm saying? Wait, 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 wait. You seem to you seem to pick the the 420 movies, or you know, like any Robert Altman movie, like literally any one of them. He, okay, okay. You know what? Actually, hold on. No, you know what? No, he doesn't get to do two. Robert Altman can wait. We can do the long goodbye as something as something for Noir November. Robert Altman's not getting next 420. He already got a Fourth of July episode about him. Oh, right. I forgot about Nashville. Yeah, that's right. So. We've just got to, let's see, what's next 420? Eat movies and see what I get. I mean, Half-Baked comes to mind. Dazed and Confused comes to mind. Mark has never seen Dazed and Confused. I mean, how do you live? Seen he, listened, he listened to the autobiography of, Matt, of Matthew McConaughey, and he was like, hey, I kind of want to see his movies. I was like, let's do it. I was like, McConaughey is on. I got it. What? Reefer Madness. Uh. <laughs> <Bing>! <laughs> no. Come on. Okay. All right. How about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? Oh, yeah. I got another one. I pitched this one yet, too. Oh, yeah. Midnight Express. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Yeah. Paired it. Yeah. We've said that. I, I don't think we need to give it a rating. I think we both agree you should see this. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good movie. Well, uh, guys. For TWGTF, you can follow all of our antics with this stuff at TWGTF on Twitter. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. Watch what uh, pot-addled movies I'll be watching this week. Keep an eye on 420. There is a Disney 420 crew hanging out at my house. We're going to be watching Disney movies all day. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I'm Doc Sportello. And remember, guys, if you come into our video store and you see a guy just passed out well he's just he's just one of our uh one of our hippie customers you you treat him the same as anyone else like godzilla says the mothra man let's go eat someplace just two white guys talking film
So who got her? Department of Justice. So like, uh, justice was served? That's exactly right, Doc. That's exactly right. May we trust this blessed ship is bound for some better shore, risen and redeemed, where the American fate mercifully failed to transpire. <laughs>